Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. Man, that's some bass right there. Now I like bass and everything, but you know. <laughs> uh, good stuff. I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. I got to break it all up, you know. Man, oh, man. Well, good morning. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) Just a couple things real fast. Uh, If you missed the new members class this morning, so we had a great turnout this morning, but apparently we're going to double the class again. And so we're going to have an impromptu class right after church service. I know. Uh, Because a lot of people missed it. So I think we're going to probably, you're going to have double the class again. There's some other people coming you don't even know about. So uh, if if, if you want to come to the new members class, this is Pastor Woody. He's our missions pastor. Uh, No, can't be in the foyer. I have to do it right back here if that's okay. Right in the back section, right back there. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Hey, so uh, last week we launched Changing Generations. It's all about getting plugged into the church of God to uh, get, get used to following after God, listening to what God has for us, and literally changing generations. I love uh, what Greg said. You know, you don't know where that seed's going. And by the way, Sharon sang about it multiple times this morning. Greg talked about my message uh, someone came back here and just gave me a word, said they had a word for the church, but it was already the word that God gave me. It really it was just a confirmation for the church this morning. And then uh, what was going on with Waylon, everything, my goodness, is incredible. So last night I'm sitting in the bed. I'm kind of writing down some last things or whatever. And then my wife goes, let me share with you this, this verse. And then she starts speaking. I just shook my head. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Because it was the exact verse that I had just got done writing down. And I'm like, oh, you mean this one? And she's like, yeah, that one. <laughs> it's amazing how God confirms things over and over and how he just shows you what he wants to do. I'm telling you, I am way too dumb to hear God all the time. Amen. And sometimes he just does things, and then he just has to hold that in front of your face and go, this is it. And you go, oh, okay, I got it. And then you just follow that. And so this morning, we're going to get to that in a minute. But, Greg, you don't know how on you were. I know that happens almost every Sunday, but you were on it this morning. If you have your scripture, we're going to go fast. Acts chapter, uh, let's see, let's go to Acts chapter 1. How about that? Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 3, real early. This is really good stuff. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, those who follow Jesus all the time. You would think that they would know the heart of Jesus. You would think they would know what was going on, but this is good. I love this. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, To whom Jesus also presented himself alive. This is after Easter. This is after he's been risen. He presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Jesus proved himself over and over and over and over again, and the church said amen. Jesus was seen by them during 40 days of resurrection, speaking of the things 
pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait on the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and all the way to the end of the earth. Now, there's a little bit in there that's very interesting. Again, Jesus went to the cross. He's died. His, his, his blood shed for our sins. He went to the grave. He overcame the grave three days later. And for the next 40 days, Jesus walks the planet. And he shows himself to all kinds of people. And, and it's just this unbelievable time in the history of planet Earth, in the history of the church, and in the history um, of mankind altogether. Amen? It's a powerful moment. So Jesus comes back, and I don't know if you're like me, but if Jesus came back from the dead and I'm sitting with him at a table, I don't, I don't think I would say much. I think I would uh, probably just listen to everything he had to say, right? Uh, but not everybody's like that. Uh, some people want to have questions. Some people want to put their opinion in there. Some people just want to speak over Jesus, and that's kind of what's happening here. He's sitting with his disciples, and Jesus is trying to share some of the greatest things that Jesus could share with you about. Now, if Jesus is sitting down with you and he's telling you something about yourself, listen. Amen? Just, just listen. But humans have a habit of not being great listeners. I want you to look right there at the very beginning, right? Look at verse 3 again. Uh, verse 4, I'm sorry. And being assembled together with him, Jesus commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but what? To wait on the promise of the Father. Deal, Jesus. I'm waiting. Take my mouth up. I'll just sit and wait. Whatever you say, I'm waiting. That's fine with me. And Jesus went on to say, he says, which you have heard this from me. In other words, you haven't heard from just anybody. You haven't heard from your pastor. You heard this from Jesus himself. For John truly baptized with water, but you believers, you followers, shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. If you receive that word from Jesus, would it be enough to satisfy your spirit? Anybody? If you were sitting at a table with Jesus... Would you be satisfied with Jesus prophesying over your life, especially a prophecy like the Holy Spirit of God is going to come down upon you and rest with you? Wouldn't you love that? I, I don't even know that I would have words to say. I don't even know what to come after that sentence. I don't, I don't know how to go back with Jesus with that. But yet the disciples figured out a way. Look at this. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, yeah, that's so good. But Jesus, Lord, they took it off my screen. <laughs> he said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Now, that sounds like a real simple question, right? But this is mind-blowing because Jesus is trying to share with them. He's trying to beg with them. He's like, God is going to give you something. And the gift that you are about to receive is the greatest gift that man has ever received. You are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And they stopped Jesus. And they go, yeah, but Jesus, uh, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus is way more patient of a teacher than I am. (laughs) Jesus looks at his disciples in the eye and says, I'm going to give you this gift. And they look at Jesus back in the eye and say, cool, can you give us another gift? Anybody? Greg, it's that whole human-made thing, right? Like, I know you're trying to give us the gift of God, but can you give us the gift of man also? Because our country is in turmoil, and we would love, we would love for you to restore our country, Jesus. And he's like, oh, my my goodness. Did I come back for this? Look at what Jesus says, in fact. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus, patient shepherd, Jesus responds back to his disciples and he says to them, bro, it's not even time for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And then Jesus goes back to what he was trying to say in the first place. After Jesus says, don't worry about those things, that's not for you to know or for you to do, but if I can get back to what I was saying, and then Jesus says, but... Remember the Holy Spirit that I was saying? If we go back to that, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the gift that Jesus is trying to give. Amen, church? And by the way, that's still the gift that Jesus is trying to give. You know that God is still trying to give himself to us? And we're still going, yeah, but who's going to win the election next year? And Jesus goes, election, election, take that dumb bumper sticker off your car and go into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but Jesus is taking my rights away. I took your rights away. You're a bond servant to me. Now go follow me into the world. Amen, church. Man, there's a guy I know, he's, he's an older country guy, and he has all these stickers on the back of his truck, all, I mean, like tons, like 15, 20 stickers, and one of them just says, don't steal because the government hates competition. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Can I get some strong elders in this section? I'm kidding. She said, it's true. So um, I want you to look at what Jesus said. Verse 5, verse 4 and 5, he says, you have. I want you to look at those two words. He says, you have. It's a guarantee. No one can take this away from you. You have. Jesus gave it to you, and so you have it. Amen, church? Church, 
If God says you have something, then guess what? You have it. And Jesus says, you have heard from me. That you will receive the, baptize, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You have. And then Jesus says, you shall. You will. It's guaranteed. Take it to the bank. How many times have you found yourself worrying about things that Jesus did not talk about? And I love how Jesus ends this whole conversation with his disciples. He goes, you have these things. You have them. You have them. And then Jesus says at the end, after the disciples question him once again, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you know that God himself, that Father God, put that in his own authority to know? In other words, Jesus says, I don't even know these things. And yet you're asking for God to take the authority away from himself and give it to you. Mind your business. That's a good way of putting it. If you could change my sermon title to Mind Your Business. Mama said, Mind Your Business. Do you know that if God is holding something in his authority, then it's not meant for you? Do you know that if God reserves his authority to something as Jesus is trying to beg his disciples to understand that you can't have it? Not only that, you can't handle it. And so I know that it's so easy to get caught up in this world and caught up in the, the weaknesses of the boat and, and get caught up in, in politics and all these things. And I believe that Christians should be in politics, no doubt. And I believe we should pray for our leaders and I pray that we should pray for our authority over us. I believe in all those things. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you a power and authority that is greater than anything on this planet and it's given to you so you'll go out, Greg, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. It's not so we'll meet on Tuesday mornings for coffee, which is great, by the way. It's coming up, I think, this week. And we sit at coffee and we talk about politics. No, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, what are you doing? How many of y'all know that the more you know, the more you want to know? And the more God gives, the more you want from God. And he goes, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he goes, cool, can you give us peace at home? And Jesus is like, no, I'm just going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's enough. It's enough. Here's what I want to point out, that Jesus is preparing his disciples for eternity. He's trying to get their perspective and their, their focus off a temporary life that changes daily and onto an eternal perspective. Because if you focus daily, then your prayers will change daily. But if God says, I'm trying to give you this, and you will receive this, and I want you to set your mind on eternal things, then guess what? Your focus will never change. And if you've ever found yourself, Greg, being storm-tossed by the things of the earth, just things come along and your focus is just all over the place, ask yourself, am I focused on what God is giving or am I focusing on what I want God to give? And if you ever write down your prayer life, you'll probably realize you focus a lot on what you want God to give. But I want to say it one more time. 
God's promise is to always give more of himself to you. So if you want to know what God's trying to hand you, it's himself. And by the way, he's enough. He's enough. He's enough. There's nothing else we need except for God himself. Amen. If you start looking at even stories like this, if you start looking at things in the scripture in that way, it's going to shift and change your prayer life. It's going to shift and and change your walk. I can guarantee it. In fact, these are disciples who walk with Jesus every single day, and yet they still messed up. And yet they still are asking Jesus for temporary earthly things. These aren't just great churchgoers. These are people who walked and talked intimately with Jesus. These are people who sat in a prayer circle and Jesus prayed. And yet when Jesus tried to give, they still couldn't focus on what Jesus was trying to give. And so if we try these things and we get focused on these things, then God will shift our focus and our walk to him. Amen? We're going somewhere with this. I'm just laying the groundwork. Look at verse 7. Again, before we move on, Jesus says, it is not for you to know these things. It's not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Here's what I'm trying to get to. If you think different, Greg, I'm telling you, if you don't see what's happening here, this is unbelievable. If you think different, then you'll sow different. If you think different, then you will sow differently. You'll do things in the spirit different than you've ever had, ever have before in your life. You'll start to take what God is trying to give you, and you'll start sowing those things, and so God can do his work. Instead of taking those things and saying, I got it. How cool is this? God gave me. You'll realize that the gift that God gives you is always given to be given away. Always. And so the Holy Spirit that God puts in you and gives in you is made, what did Jesus say? For you to go out into the world and give. For you to go out into the world and give the gift of the Holy Spirit to give the gospel of Jesus, to give the truth of salvation that's only found in Jesus away. But we can only do that, how? In the power of the Holy Spirit. If you start shifting your mind to think about eternal things, I can guarantee you that you'll start sowing different. Y'all ready, church? It's good. If you think temporary, then you'll do temporary things. And if you focus on the temporary, then you'll do temporary things. Here's what I believe. I was joking around about the election, but if you focus on the election, then you'll, you'll forget that you are the elect of Christ. Can, we, can I just say that again? If you only focus on political things and political elections and all these things, what happens is the church forgets it is the elect of God. And if If you go back a couple years, I think the church was losing its mind because the church was so split and so divided, red and and blue and and purple and green, whatever other colors are out there, that was losing its mind and dividing itself because the church starts forgetting that we are the elect of Christ. 
that the Holy Spirit is more powerful than any earthly system that man could ever come up with. That God's ways are eternal and man's ways are temporal. Amen. We have to start focusing different on eternal things. Now, I want to take you through the verse that Greg has pretty much already said and the verse that, that my wife, my amazing wife, sitting up in bed, said, have you ever thought about this? I'm like, yes, five seconds ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is so good. This is not a deep, profound, uh, this is something a lot of y'all know. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 35. I love it. I love how God takes simple things and continues to teach us. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 says this, very easy. Somebody is bound to say, how is it that the dead are raised up? Talking about the resurrection of each and every one of us. For all those who believe in Jesus, one day there will be a resurrection where we're raised up and we're called to him. And they're questioning and they're saying, but how is it that this is going to happen? How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? In other words, is it going to be the same body? And Paul says, foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it what? Dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that that body shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases into each seed its own body. Now, I want to break that down a little bit because I think what happens is we start to think thinking like very simple terms. In other words, if I sow money, then what's going to happen? We're going to get multiples of money. Have you ever thought that? Like if I sow a dollar, I'll get a bank. And you know, something like that, right? Like if I sow money, I'll get more money. Seven times, right? Sevenfold. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Like Mr. Scrooge, you know, going through the coins. That's the way I want to be. God, if I tithe... I want to see a return of my money. I want, to, I want to read this very carefully because he blows that theory out of the water. In fact, he transforms that and he says, that's not how God works. Money is the seed. By the way, money can't buy anything of value. Have you ever noticed that? Money can't buy you family. Money can't buy you time. Nothing. Money is just a seed, just a tool. But here we are, look at this, verse 37. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain. In other words, when you sow a seed, you don't sow a seed so it will become a big seed. Right? Like nobody wants giant acorns in their yard. Nobody. I'm trying to shift the focus a little bit because I've heard this preached so many times wrongly. People think that what you sow multiplies and it remains the same. But the acorn does not remain the same. And nobody wants a giant acorn, but they would love a giant oak tree in their backyard so their kids can swing from it 
and all that good stuff, right? Provide great shade and squirrels and eat your bird feed and all that good stuff. So why do we put money in the offering and then we go, God, multiply it. That's going to be a million dollars one day. God goes, that's a seed. And when the seed is put in there, the body that I want it to be, I'll make it to be. And it says only God gets to choose what that seed becomes. Amen. It doesn't mean we stand over it and plead with it and tell it it needs to become a million dollars and and we say what it needs to be and and we manipulate and we try to make God do things. God says, you put the seed and I'll make it what I want it to be. That's good. You put the love. You put the investment. You give love, and I'll make it what I want it to be. It doesn't mean love will multiply. It means that child will now know that human beings care, and they just happen to come in the name of Jesus, and that kid gets to know Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that kid gets to grow up and change generations in that family. That's what it means to sow a seed. I love how God says it. It's up to me. The body that I choose is the body that it will be. You do not get to manipulate. Amen. Another thing says, whatever you choose to give as a seed must die and change form. Amen. In other words, you have to be willing to know that whatever you give out of yourself has to go away and die. Maybe it has to lay dormant for a season. Sharon doesn't even know you kept talking about fertile ground this morning. You prayed that I would preach about fertile ground. You said that out of your mouth. You say that pastor would preach some fertile ground this morning, too fertile ground. You don't even know. And and then you started singing about the rains coming. And God, let your rains pour out of heaven. You know what it takes? It takes the work of God for a seed to be destroyed and opened up and unrecognizable to become what it's actually going to become. And so a lot of us will put money in a plate or whatever. Money's easy to talk about, right? We put money down and we go, man, the money. I put money in the church. I did that. And God goes, I'm about to destroy that money. (laughs) That money is going to be long gone. But what I make it is eternal. What I make it is not recognizable. What I do with it, no one will be celebrating cash in a bucket. But they will be celebrating the movement of the Holy Spirit. Amen, church. It has to die. It has to go away. And in a minute, we're going we're gonna to seek God for what he wants to do with what we've been trying to give. And it has nothing to do with money. Nothing. Don't open up your pockets again. Don't open up your wallet. Don't open up your, your app, your Life Church app. Let's try to give. No, it's not about that. We're about to see what God is going to do in the house. Amen? God, well, I've been preaching this for a few weeks. Maybe you haven't got it, but God is trying to get our, us to give of ourselves. In other words, you are the seed. Church, it's not what comes out of your hand. It is your hand. 
you are the seed. And God says, you watch what I do when you allow yourself to become the seed. How many of y'all would love to be a better Christ follower? How many of y'all would love to see your life transformed over and over and over again? Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house that would love to give up of this and to see what it's going to become? If God can do that with the seed, what can he do with me? I love how it actually responds to this because we, we always think so temporary. Oh, man, if I give, I can't wait to see what God does with it. And it's just little steps, little baby steps. And God goes, no, no, no. This is about you. This is about me and you. This is about you giving yourself to me and me making you something that you do not recognize today. Wouldn't you love that? What was happening? I thought somebody got stabbed for a second. I didn't didn't know. It must die. And it responds to this. It responds to this. I want you to look at the scripture. Y'all ready? Your flesh, if you choose to give it to God as a seed, you, yourself, if you choose to give yourself to God as a seed to see what it's going to become, your flesh must die. It has to. And if it does not, you will never see what God is trying to transform you into. You will be a really large acorn. And you'll be puffed up by all the knowledge you know about God. But you never became what God wanted you to become. And so right here, just a few verses later, it actually responds to this. I want to read, if you'll just start at verse 35, and we're going to read just a few verses down because this is so good. Verse 35 says, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain. You sow just a seed perhaps weed or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases. And to each seed, its own body. All flesh is not the same, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another of a flesh of animals and fish and birds. There are also celestial bodies, terrestrial bodies, and the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is one. In other words, the stars and the sun and, and then the earth. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For, the, for one star differs from another star in its glory. Amen, by the way. Speaking to us. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body, that's me and you, ready? The body is sown, put in the ground, in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. In other words, that person who sits at home and says, I can't go to church because I cussed last night. God says, that's the point. I'm going to take your seed, yourself, in corruption, and I'll do the work of incorruption. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And God says, that's the point. You sow the things that are going to die 
so that they can, they can become something that you actually want. That's about to get good, I think. Look at this. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. As so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual things are not first, but the natural things. And afterward, the spiritual things happen. Come on, church. In other words, you might feel like you don't have much. You don't have much spiritual things. You're not a very spiritual person. I mean, you go to church on Sundays, but you're not spiritual. You don't feel it. You don't look like everybody else. You don't feel spiritual. You don't, you don't get in your car and, and listen to gospel like Sharon does. You say, man, I don't. How do people get spiritual? How do people walk in the spirit like they walk? I, how do I get that? And God says, take yourself and sow it in incorruption, and I will make you incorruptible. Only God can do it. It doesn't come uh, by good habits. It, it doesn't good come by, by just, I got to clean up my words. You know, when I'm around pastor, you know, I don't cuss. Somehow it's a, it's a miracle. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> but God says he'll do it. There's not many people that will ever come to your house and run out in your yard and pick up an acorn and go, what? Look at this acorn. Greg, are you fertilizing these things? What do you do to get acorns like this? You know what they do? If you have a 100-year oak tree or a 200-year oak tree at your house, you know what they do? My goodness, you are a blessed person to have this big, mature tree in your yard. This is incredible, right? You go to downtown Mobile, it's like, man, look at these amazing oak trees, and, and somebody hits one with the car, and it falls over, and people are furious and outraged. They put a hotel up, and they cut down an oak tree, and people are furious. Why? Because it took a long time for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? Is nobody cares about the seed. In fact, the seed, a lot of people throw away. In fact, a lot of people chop it up on the lawnmower or, or bag it up and they throw it in the ditch and they burn it. Nobody cares about the seed. And you might have things in your life that you don't care about. You might have things in your life that you hope that nobody ever sees. You might have things in your life that you're like, man, that's private. I deal with it on my own. I, I don't want anybody to see it. I don't want pastors to start a list of things on Sunday morning and then I'll be like, oh, that's me. And God goes, Oh, yeah, you see it? You see that thing? You see that bad habit? You see that thing that you would never talk about in public and you hide behind the scenes and you never want your kids to know about? He said, if you'll take that thing and you'll sow that thing, you wait to see what I do with it. 
that thing that was so shameful, that thing that, man, man, I, I'll go to church. I just can't get past this thing. God says, that's a perfect seed. That's perfect. I'll take it. And God says, put it in the ground. Let me work. Let me have it. And one day, that thing that you didn't want anybody to see will now be something that you were so proud of that you invite people over just so they can see what God has done in your life. That one thing that, you know, when the pastor comes over, you, you take it off the wall. One day you're going to be leading people out back and going, look, I was ashamed of it for a long time. But God showed me that it was a perfect seed for me to plant in him. Amen, church. Here's what I have you do. I got some more, but we're going to stop. I want you to close your eyes. All through this block of scripture, he's doing his best to paint this picture of what it looks like to just sow a seed. And so he uses that, a picture that we can just kind of get in our head and understand. But do you realize, have you ever taken a picture of a picture and then posted it to Facebook and then looked at that picture of a picture that's been posted to Facebook and realized it's really grainy? It's really not that great of a quality. There was a glare, and, you know, it's, it's not that great. Do you realize that everything I said this morning is just a mere picture of a picture of a picture that we're trying to look at? That what God wants to do in your life is so much better than I could possibly explain or get across to you. There's no video I can show you. There's no picture I can, I can show you. There's nothing I can give you to show the glory of what God wants to do with what you consider to be corruptible in your life. The thing that you're shamed about. The one thing that's been holding you back from completely giving it all to Jesus. We love to sing songs, I give it all to Jesus. And then we hold back one thing. And when God was showing this, you know, more than likely, it's an addiction. It's an addiction. It doesn't mean that it's an addiction something major like hard drugs. It doesn't mean you're an alcoholic, maybe. But God said, if you'll give me your addiction, something that you have refused to give me for a long, long time, something simple. He says, you watch 
you watch. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it. You sow it in the ground. You go, I never want that again. No, it doesn't mean it. But guess what? Walking with Jesus is not easy. But he said, if you'll give me that, then I will transform it into something that you were proud to stand next to. I will will transform it into something that will literally change generations of your family. That will transform your family. That grandkids will stand at the base of what God has done and say, thank you so much, Grandma. Thank you, Grandpa, for what you did for me. That you allowed Jesus to transform what was broken into something that was beautiful. you imagine your grandkids and your great-grandkids playing on something that you sowed in the ground today? Well, Pastor, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for a while, and I don't really think it's a sin, per se, you know. Give it to Jesus. Fully surrender. Check this out. You've been holding on to it for all these years. And look what it is now. Exactly the same as the day that you picked it up. Watch what God will do. Watch. Our faith not words we believe. Our faith is what we do. And if you have faith in Jesus, that he can transform the worst of the worst, that he can save you from your sins, then have faith in Jesus, that he can transform what you have in your hand right now. Church, will you stand to your feet? We are raising up a church that every single day changes generations. We are raising up a church that everything we put our hand to and every foot that we step, no matter where we go, is literally changing generations of our family and changing generations of other people's families, changing generations of kids who don't have families, changing generations of adults who are on the side of the street who don't have a family. So God says, if you'll sow, I'll do it. If you'll sow it. Church, close your eyes right here. Come on. Here's what we're going to do. Sometimes you've got to go and you've got to find that fertile ground to put it in. And it takes a little effort. It might take a minute. But if you find some fertile ground... It'll already be, be tilled up, and you can just kind of move it with your hand and put it there and move it back and let God do his work. In other words, it's not that difficult. It might take a second, but it ain't that difficult. Here's what we're going to do. Whatever you have in your hand, I want you to put it in your hand right now. Put it in your hand. You don't have to hold it high or anything. I just want you to put it in your hand. Ball up your hand. Say, so here it is, Jesus. Here it is. 
Come on, we don't do this all the time. Here it is. Here it is. Here's what I've been holding on to. Here's what I thought I could make it something. Here it is. I want you to hold it tight because it's the last time you get to hold it. Enjoy it. Here we go. Nobody's looking at anybody. Nobody's judging anybody. Nobody's going to ask you. Nobody cares. Everybody's dealing with their own thing with Jesus. Come on, in your hand. The altar's open. Come lay it down and go back to your seat and never look at it again. Come on. Come on, the altar's open. Come on. We're not going to have a long, drawn-out prayer. We're not going to plead and beg with Jesus. We're just going to lay it down and walk away. Come on. Come on. There's mine. There's mine. Done. It's done. Come on. There's nothing you can do with it. It's not going to be any better tomorrow. It's not going to be anything tomorrow. Come on. Jesus, you said you would do it. Here it is. You're literally all we want. That's it. Come on, church. We're still here. better than we deserve. 
But God, you made us worthy. God, you made us worthy. You've opened up your spirit to us over and over again. Lord, you begged and pleaded with us. And you said, come on, come to me 100% in freedom. Walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. I can guarantee you that every single one of you that laid something down this morning are going to be astonished at what God does. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the realness of it. That it wasn't just some old word that was written down on some paper thousands of years ago. God, this is life, and this is our life. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for honoring us with your presence here this morning, Jesus. And it's in your precious, holy name that we celebrate and we've said amen, amen, amen. Can somebody celebrate Jesus and love on somebody on your way out? Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 